You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 452, the big celestial quiz, the musical benefits of not playing live, and can poetry help us in a time of crisis? That's all coming up after Tasmin Archer and Sleeping Satellite. One of the greatest tracks from the 90s, never tire of hearing it, uh, that was the acoustic version that was the B-side of the single from 1992, number one in the UK, number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100, Tasmin Archer and Sleeping Satellite. That's, that's such a banger, isn't it? I love that. That's such a good tune. And everyone knows it as well. No one knows what it's called. 
and you go, I'll see the satellite by Times and Archer, and, and people will go, sorry, what's that? And you go, I blame you. And everyone goes, oh, yes, I know that. It's it's such a it's such a great song. I love it. Thank you very much for joining us. It's the podcast from the Parish Council. Um, we've reached episode 452. I'm Terence Stackerman. Yeah, don't blame her for the moonlit sky. It's Juliet Harris. You can either blame the, uh, you can't blame the sunshine. You can't blame it on the moonlight or you can't blame it on the good times. You could blame it on, blame the, it on the boogie or on me, depending upon your uh, your certain moment in time. But anyway, hello, everybody. It's very nice to be back with Sir Terence of Dacon once again. Satellites, of course, whiz round in the sky. <laughs> oh, um, here we go. I can here we go. tenuous link coming on. Where we will go. we go at the end of this? So this week's quiz features items of a celestial nature. I like what you've done there, Sir T. Excellent. So we'll be looking for, uh, well, we'll be looking for stellar performances from this week's... Oh, um... oh no, this is going to be such <laughs> a terrible pun fest, isn't it? Oh, man. It is. Yeah, this week's astronauts, uh, contestants, oh, who, no, who are... I'm, I'm going to reach for the stars, Terence. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm in on this now. I've, You're I've, doing well. I've, it, I've, I've, I've got my uh, my uh, Mars sea legs going on. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got your tranquility legs you see you can't oh, yeah no i've got it I'm, I'm, I'm with you there so now we've got you the listener and you the juliet and now usually um we feature five clips but to reflect the gargantuan nature of our galaxies <laughs> this week juliet there are 10 tracks omg wowzers each one has an astral link in the title 10 points for each of the celestial items and 10 bonus points oh, for each each artist you can identify. Every week we declaim the quiz to be super sore away, but this genuinely is in every sense super sore away, isn't it? It's just enormous. 15 points. There's 20 points available. 15 points makes you a winner. Okay. And um, the prize is six months on the space station. Excellent. Um, to be honest, it's better than hanging around here at the moment. <laughs> so I'll take that, frankly. <laughs> now, there's an easy couple to get you started. Lovely. Um, 10 cosmic items in about just over a minute. Take a look at the Well, that lasted as long as it orbit round uh, the, the, the <laughs> Earth, didn't it? And it orbit round my flat at the moment, anyway. Yeah, it's about <laughs> that same sound. Um, so, ten tracks. I'd, I'm trying to let them just run a bit so that there was enough time for you to sort of scribble down the oh, answers. Nice. I think Thank you'll you. probably do quite well. I think number eight, um, this is my prediction, but you, you can 
show me if I'm right. Right. I think number eight, you will you get the artist, and number five, will you get the artist? Mm. Let's find out what was number one on our celestial quiz. Well, it's, it, we went to lots of places, didn't we? It was a it was a pleasure to go on that journey with you. Thank you. So the first one, um, it's uh, sir, it's it's the Dame himself, David Bowie, and Life on Mars. Two points straight off the bat. Uh, your Can friend... you head it over the boundary for four runs? Let's see. Your friend and mine, Mr. Yes, Mr. Inarticulating himself, uh, Shouty Elton John and Rocket Man. Yep, so Mars Rocket. Number three, again, not too tough, I think. Total Eclipse of the Heart. I, I very much enjoyed doing this. It was great. Um, <laughs> it's Bonnie Tyler, I believe. Six out of six. Are you going to get 20 points? I'm not so sure. I don't think I will, but let's try. Uh, Champagne Supernova by Oasis is number four. Correct. Now, number five. Do you know Uh, the artist? uh, He's waiting for a star to fall. It is. I am struggling to remember who it was. It's on the edge of my brain, but I can't, I'm afraid. I'll I'll put a little um, blank there in case it comes back to you before we get to number 10, because sometimes when you're thinking about something else, it'll come. Yeah, let's try. Number six. Um, that's Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. Correct. Um, Number seven, no problems there, I think. Yeah, Fry Me to the Moon by Old Frank. Nice indeed, yep. Now, number eight. A record that I regularly play when DJing oh. out. Very keen on this. Um, uh, Venus, yes. uh, which my generation would know as being done by Banana Arm. Yeah. You played me the original, which is by um, possibly the most famous band to come out of Holland, uh, Shocking Blue. It was Shocking Blue. Well, that was the one I didn't realise it was on your DJ set, so I thought you might have struggled with that. Um, I was looking at a video of them performing it when I was putting this together, and uh, the lady who sings, I know nothing about them at all. I remember it from when it was a hit, mm-hmm. but she's got the coolest look ever for 1970, I she think. She really has, and yeah. I think um, when uh, PJ, what turned out to be PJ Harvey's last ever sort of live appearance on John Peel, um, when she was doing a session for him in 2004 they did they, it was 2003-2004 they did a session and um and she asked uh she picked a shocking blue track i think because one of the records she wanted him to play it might have been hot sand the b-side i can't remember now but it was something that wasn't venus anyway so uh which which was interesting uh number nine i believe is um i'll follow the sun by those fabulous beetle band correct and, and it, the last one is another girl another planet by the only ones isn't that a great track as well? Wonderful. Really wonderful. And, and it, that's kind of, unfortunately, Peter Perrett, who is who is the main only ones person, mm. is um, who also has a son, I think, who's called Little Peter Perrett, I believe. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think he's also called Pete. Um, they both feature in a book by a bloke called, uh, I think it's Pete Welsh, wrote a book about the Libertines. And he commented on the fact that everybody around the Libertines seemed to be called Pete. Um, he was an associate of Pete Doherty from the Libertines, I think. And unfortunately, Peter Perrett leads a Doherty-esque lifestyle, is all I can say, or seemed to be for a while. He and, certainly did. And we were always thinking he was going to be a rock and roll casualty. And yet, 40-odd years on, he's still, still, still and, here. And, and I think a little bit like... Um, Keith Richards of punk. Well, yes, and a little bit like... Um, 
was it Joe Rafferty who who drank himself to death, who wrote mm. Baker Street and all that kind yeah. of stuff? It was a little bit. I think the success of a, another girl, another planet, which still gets played on the radio to this mm. day because it's brilliant. You wonder if having a record that 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 makes you so much money per year consistently is a blessing as well as a curse. Well, so, I mean, really don't know this, and I can't remember, and I'm not looking it up as we speak, but. Off the top of my head, was it actually a top 40 hit? I rather think it wasn't. Another girl. It's one of those songs that's become what's called a cult classic, I think. Now, let's go back to number five, and I'm going to give you the first word um, of the three title uh, of of the duo. Very nice of you, thank you. (laughs) And I think that'll go to, and then I'm going to say you've got 20 out of 20 if you can get this. So it was a duo, and it was Boy. Meets girl. There you go. I'm going to give you 20 out of 20. I nearly said Starship, but I knew that was wrong. So yeah. I, I'd hold on for, I'd wait for a clue to fall. And it did. Thank <laughs> you very much. I had one excellent quiz. I, I Like everybody, I'm in love with quizzes at the moment. So thank you yeah. very much. I mean, here's something I didn't know until yesterday when I was I was compiling this uh, mega quiz, as you say. Um, the couple who are Boy Meets Girl, George Merrill and oh. Shannon Rubicam, they wrote two number ones for Whitney Houston. They wrote How Will I Know and I Want to Dance with Somebody. Wow. Oh, which, which are two of two of her best songs, mm. I think. And, uh, you know, upbeat sort of dancey numbers, aren't they, really, which I'm much more into. I want to dance with somebody. I still remember seeing the video to that at my aunt's house in Croydon on top <laughs> of the pots with all those pastels and her leaping about and thinking it was so amazing. And I still do, I really. I think Whitney Houston is a is a great loss. I'm sorry that things went as they did for her because when she was when she was functioning properly, she was one of the greatest, I think. I think, you know, so, some of those songs will just live forever really not for certain coming next are there positives for musicians not playing live that's right after white stripes
I love that from beginning to end that song from top to tail from the kind of distorted one two three four intro to the uh, to the nice burst of guitar at the end that is there's virtually nothing to that song like like many of the white stripe songs particularly the early on ones I believe that might even be from the first this from the first album I think when they really were at their kind of noisiest and grungiest and it's just such a great song I've, I've got a little story which might seem like it's digressing but I think it's worth telling if I have told this on the podcast before I'm sorry um, I suspect you've now got time to listen to them all again and find it but anyway um I it's I've got it on a bootleg of the white stripes live in Australia I think a te- it's a rather bizarre 10 inch thing um and it runs Astro into their version of Jack the Ripper oh, it's yeah. very good I bought this in Brighton in I would say 2005 probably I was uh, or 2006 I think it was I was studying in Guildford as a law student and I was st- at the point of the year where you started to go down for jobs for interviews for jobs that you might get after you'd finished a course so I went down to Brighton I had a job interview at three o'clock in the afternoon, but I decided I would get to Brighton for sort of 11-ish. And then if anything went wrong, I built enough time in. And so I had a nice day looking around Brighton and I went into Wax Factor, which is still one of my favourite secondhand record shops. It's brilliant. And I remember looking around and there was a very nice man working behind the counter. And I said, oh, can I? And I found this 10 inch, which I thought was brilliant. And I hadn't seen it anywhere before. And I just want, I wanted to get it, but I didn't really want to turn up with lots of bags to this interview. So I said to the chap, um, you know, would you mind putting this behind the counter for me? I'll come back a bit later. And he said, oh, yes, that's fine. And I was wearing you know, a very smart suit ready for my interview, black suit with a white shirt, you know, dark jacket. <laughs> and so I, so I go to the man, he, you know, cheerily left it behind the counter. And then I went back after my interview and, you know, looked around him more extensively, bought another couple of things, went to the counter, took the, the things that I bought to the counter. And I was about to ask the man to pass me the record to say, oh, I, I, I put that. And he instantly picked it up and gave it to me, having remembered it. And I must have looked at him in slight surprise. And he just said, we don't get many smartly dressed young women in this shop. <laughs> Why is that with me? That that was the thing that they remembered. I was a smartly dressed young woman, and that in that shop was enough of a novelty that they knew it was my White Stripes record. So whenever I play that record, it always makes me giggle. I always, I always will see that man and me being the unusually smartly dressed young woman in there. In in, in, in Wax Factor is an excellent shop. It's occasionally a little disorderly though. So as uh, yes, I can see, I can see why. But I, that always makes me smile. But no, I I love the White Stripes. I mean, their later records records started to suffer from being a little bit over ornate I think although I get that that there's only so far you can take a blues rock band with two people in it I do understand I can see why they wanted to kind of do something a bit different but I certainly think the first the first four white stripe records so the white stripes distill um white blood cells and elephant I think those four records are outstanding all of them I think I think they're they are you know I don't want to say essentials in any collection, but they're, they're all worth listening to. I think they're all great records. And that was a song named after his dog, which is an interesting genre, isn't it? Really? Yeah, what a great name for a dog as well. <laughs> Astro. Cool. And it could have come up in your quiz. It could have done, couldn't it? <laughs> now I think about it, yeah. That was number 11 in the quiz there, yeah. Astro, White Stripes. This week, um, the excellent writer Graham Thompson, he's, ri- he's written for just about every music public- publication you can mention, and also the author of a splendid biography of Elvis Costello. Um, this week, Graham wrote a piece for The Spectator magazine um, with the current lockdown in mind and mused upon whether not being able to play live could actually be 
beneficial for some performance. And I thought, well, I'm just going to give a quick bit of a sort of declaration from me. I've I've performed in uh, small way in movies, but also on the radio, podcasts, obviously, recorded TV documentaries. But the older I get, the more I know I couldn't possibly perform live on a stage. I would be so concerned. I'd be very self-aware and I'd be concerned with forgetting my lines that I would promptly, I think... Um, think of nothing else and therefore forget all my lines and um, this really makes me feel such empathy I'm talking about the theatre of course mm. um, it makes me feel a lot of empathy with the artists and I, I don't mean we tread similar paths at all but that suffer horrors at being on stage as I think I would um, like Kate Bush Tracy Thorne Barbara Streisand all have had um, sort of f- forms of panic attacks um, re- revolving around being on stage um, certainly have suffered anguish now George you're in a band you do comedy you dj you give talks do you miss the thrill of the performance during the lockdown or can you see any positives to not playing live well i thought this article that you sent to me thank you was was Mm. very interesting because it makes the case that that it allows if you're shackled to the constant album tour album tour cycle would you have the space in which to make such great records he makes the good point that you know, Kate Bush famously wasn't stopped touring in 79 and didn't start again until 2014. He says it's doubtful she would have had found the time, energy and imaginative freedom to craft albums as daring as the dreaming Hounds of Love and Ariel had she been shackled to the album tour album time, mm. which is true. And Tracy Thorne also makes the point from everything but the girl makes the point in this article that she that she stopped performing live quite. They had children, they had three children. And once she, I think at one point they had I'm just trying to find the bit in the article, their kids were all very young at the same yeah, time there's just I, twins two girl twins and then there's a young the boy and they were and all she, born she, within she the boy had, followed on the twins very quickly yeah. she had three children under the age of three at the same time mm. which to be honest is just i just am tired listening reading that as a sentence so she decided that she wasn't going to be performing live and she said um she's found the shift in focus really liberating she said i remember in the past recording songs and thinking this one's going to be a and then a, unfortunately an expletive to sing live because of the range of the dynamics and now I don't have to consider that at all which I, I, I guess is a good thing but the, the article goes on to talk about and I think this is a really key point that it can be a moment if you attend live music as, and I'm thinking of this as, an, as, as a sort of a, an audience member it can be a really lovely community experience to be and I think this is what we're all missing I think at the moment the idea that we can all experience things in the same room together it's a different thing to all watching the same Zoom stream it's a, it's a, it's the idea that you know that, that it's this is why it's really thrilling when you know performers make jokes or things go wrong I remember I think I might have told this story before so apologies but I remember going to see PJ Harvey at Brixton Academy um towards the end of uh, the Hope Six Demolition Project tour um and it was on Halloween it was the second of two nights and she was, was it was quite a serious show because it was quite serious music and PJ Harvey is 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 uh an excellent performer but she's one that that is always very polite and always says thank you between songs but doesn't really engage Mm. in kind of she's quite a serious person and she doesn't really engage in kind of between song banter but she was singing a song called river anacostia which is an excellent song but it comes in really high it starts in a really after a long introduction really high and she sang the first line 
and her voice gave out into a croak halfway through. And so the band kept going and then she came back again and sang the sang the line. And when she completed the line, the crowd cheered, which I was slightly concerned about. And she triumphantly waved a fist in the air and carried on singing. And I, I thought it was excellent that it was unexpected that she was sort of quite jovial in how she'd sort of took it. It was a real moment that the laughter of everybody in the room the cheering was really it was really nice and it was and to hear i think this is why people like seeing comedy live because other people finding things funny with you i love it when people find that when i i'm always sending daft things to my friends and family on you know sort of mobile clips and stuff because i love other people enjoying the same things as i do i don't and the same comes with records as well and you know music and stuff and to be in a room with people enjoying things is great i just love going to see live music it's it's uh you know i've got so many memories of not just seeing bands do amazing things but being being in rooms with my friends and my friends reacting to things going to see stereo lab last year and being with our our friend sean who is we only ever knew her as heterosexual and watching her go a bit crazy over Letitia Sadio was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. And it's stuff like that that I think, yeah, it's it's great that, that you know, that I think people, we're all making the best of it at the moment, aren't we? We're all doing our best to try and find a way through this. But hopefully this will show us that there's a place for everything. So there's a place for, you know, there's a place for video streams. There's a place, you know, if if, for example, you're someone who's, agoraphobic or claustrophobic or you know find social situations very difficult maybe watching streams of things you find that a bit easier but if you're a um, but you know if you're someone that really loves being in a room with people and loves seeing these things and as a performer as well uh, you know I can remember playing open mic nights and things and I can remember certain nights where I got really good reactions from the crowd and that was really special to have to be in a room playing an electric guitar, playing Cannonball by the Breeders by myself with no drums. And then when I sort of paused in the middle to have an audience keep the beat up by clapping as one is such a lovely feeling. It really is. So I get that there are advantages. I get that having time and space means that you can make better records. And I think the treadmill point is a good one. But there is something about lots of people sharing an experience in a room. But then everyone's having their own experience, but you're all sharing it's sort of a blanket experience there's something about that that can't be replicated and I think we need to try and keep we need to try and find a way if we can of getting back there because I think it reminds us of our shared humanity and I think you know those nights lift the spirits and they lift the soul and I and I, I think they're good for us as a as a kind of a collection of people which is why the live music industry is such a big thing and why so many people have suffered by it collapsing I'm sorry to be Mr. Doom and Gloom for a moment, but yeah, I'm afraid so. I can't, I don't know what you think about this and what everybody listening thinks, but I can't help but wonder if we will ever return to the old way. And when I say the old way, I'm talking about two months ago, you know, which is ridiculous, but of live performances, because this is just my feelings of it. Even if the government lifted the lockdown next week, I know they're not going to as we record this early in May, but even if they said next week, it's perfectly safe. If if somebody said the the medical um, officers came on the TV and said, it's perfectly safe, no, it's all gone. I think many, and I'm one of them, are a long way from feeling confident about sitting with a bunch of strangers shoulder to shoulder in a theatre, concert arena, football stadium, even with a mask and or, and with gloves. I'm a long way from, from that. I think it's given me such heebie-jeebies that I just can't 
change um yeah, i think it's, it's going to take a long time it's a journey back yes i agree i mean really we're all in a holding pattern until there's a vaccine that can be found mm. for this i think that's the answer isn't it but yes i agree with you i know it's I do want, I mean, I'm talking about one, you know, why we should try and get back there. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. So I don't disagree with you. I know that we're a long way from that, but hopefully we can try and find ways of doing that. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll just have to live with live streaming for a little while. I would prefer it if we were able to watch things that weren't the one world, oh, yeah. as we discussed last <laughs> week. <laughs> but, you know, um, George, I think it's um, curious, um, going back to the um, Graham Thomas piece in the spectator i think it's curious that some of the most celebrated icons of music um due to their um their absence from live performance a kind of kind of mystique grows around them but perhaps they don't or they didn't perform and um it's, it's, so they, they didn't create that air of mystery but because either they had mental health issues about playing or in some cases was just no good at it um the the one I was particularly thinking of in this piece, yeah, Nick Drake. Yeah, he has this enigmatic personality delivered upon him, rather like Sid Barrett. Yeah. And he's had books and documentaries and so on, rather deifying him. Mm-hmm. Yet, yeah, as quoted by Graham Thompson, The Spectator, a live review described one of his gigs as an hour of sheer tedium. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> maybe it's better, you know, you can grow your image better by not playing live. You grow that mystique, that air yeah. of mystery by not doing it. Yeah, it's quite possible. I mean, I suppose it depends what you were like as a performer and where your strengths are. And Nick Drake's strengths were very much in making beautiful records. They weren't in having any kind of personality on stage when it came to performing. They talked about how he would sit. To be fair, Nick's, Nick Drake's songs are very complicated to play. He has lots of strange tunings. It's very ornate guitar work. It's, it's you know, they, he was a really talented man doing something that is not uncomplicated. And as a result of which, his concentration in doing that, and also his personality as well, um, and his reserve meant that he you know he didn't really have any chat he just he would just sit there and do it and it's it's you know there are some people that obviously are better live performers than others but at the moment the reality has been although as you say it's frightening the extent to which the reality has collapsed in two months but up until then you know arena shows were sort of people were and this is what's so you know upsetting about it that the live music industry was doing considerably better than the recorded music industry because people wanted these mass communal experiences yeah, absolutely and uh well, they've gone for this year at least, as we know all the major Probably. festivals are already gone. So, yeah. I mean, um, smaller gatherings might happen towards maybe. the end of the year, maybe. But we don't. We, you know, at the time of, of recording, you know, who knows? We're still locked down. We're still likely to be locked. It's meant to be being reviewed here in the UK a week today on the eighth of eighth of May. But I would be surprised if it was. It won't all be lifted at once anyway. It will be sort of like when you've locked a door with lots of bolts on it. I think it will be like releasing one bolt at once for a while. And I yeah. think. We all, uh, as someone who is uh, as someone who is a, a a trustee of an arts venue, we've basically been prepared. I mean, fairly early on into lockdown, we were talking with our sort of partners that we work with and festival people that we work with and stuff like that, and we were all of view fairly early on that the last thing to come back will be mass events. By that we mean music festivals arena style gigs and actually mass sport as well i think i think there isn't there or rather sport with mass spectators to it so so you know this is going to be the new reality for a while 
It seems that way, yeah. Coming next, if live music isn't the answer, maybe poetry can save us. That's right after Fake Sensations. Recently reissued a lot of the music he made with both 
um, architect and <laughs> heiress and fake sensations. I've always loved this track. I um, he's all of those things. I, I just forget that's all Christian Wood. Yes, absolutely. I, 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 very talented uh, chap indeed uh, and uh, a, a good writer as well. So as I say, recently re-released from 2004, Fake Sensations and Selfish Girls Stay Thin. I hadn't heard that, but I rather enjoyed it. Um. There are, I think, two major barriers that turn people away from poetry. Um, being forced at school to learn verse without having any explanation or insight into it. Uh, you know, you'll learn this, it's culture. Um, and the other barrier is my big peeve, which is the way poetry is often performed in their awful faux Shakespearean declamation. I wandered lonely as a cloud that mm-hmm. floats on high, oh, Vales and Hills. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know this, but I rather suspect they don't bother much with poetry in schools these days. Um, but in more general terms, can we draw comfort from the poet's jewels, giving us hope and perspective in a time of crisis? Well, actually, when I know lots of people that have been taught poetry at school. I wasn't taught poetry by rote. I did a lot of analysis of poetry at school and, and, and by sort of dating myself. I've, I've finished, I finished secondary school in 2000 and I finished sixth form college in 2002 and I did English as an A-level. So I did language and literature. So I did quite a lot of, uh, you know, poetry analysis. And actually, everyone I know that studied poetry in detail or has been taught it by rote was always told this will be useful to you later in life. And actually, it's so strange. There are various books of poetry and they're sort of, I can't remember what it's called exactly, but they're sort of, they're like, they're, they're, they're done in sort of a first aid style packaging, really, that you might need them at certain points in your life. I think there are times when poetry, again, can be a great comfort to us because it's like music and like live music. It's people trying to capture the human condition and the shared human experience I think and I think there's some poetry that I find faintly annoying I must admit and I have to say I'm, I'm not a huge fan of live poetry I'm slightly you know I find I find I don't know because it's a real shame because I've, I've been to slam nights there are slam nights local to me and I think the people that go to it work really hard people that put them on work really hard it's a really big thing as someone that does performing to put yourself out there and particularly to read poetry art that you've written and you haven't got you know you can't put yourself a live band behind you or whatever. I, I, you know, I, I really admire the people that do it, but I did have a guilty laugh at something that someone posted on Twitter once that was a sign in a venue that said poetry upstairs and they just posted as a caption goes downstairs. And I have to say, I do feel <laughs> I do feel a little bit like that sometimes. It's interesting that major brands have now picked up on poetry as a thing. There's one major building society yes, that yes. is... Um, is that is using poetry a lot i liked it at first i i i, I possibly have my fill of it now i must <laughs> but, um, but it's uh it's yeah it, i mean i i get that it's quite an in it's interesting that they're using it more at the moment because obviously we all they feel I mean, they have consultants and stuff that do this kind of market research, don't they? And they obviously feel that that is that that as a, you know, as 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 part of the human condition, they feel that it appeals to people and that we take comfort in poetry. And I think there can be comfort in poetry. So actually, whilst like you, I I you know, I just think of people in black polo necks and berets when when it comes to kind of live poetry or even kind of a hammy sort of. Uh, although there is a bit of hamminess that I do enjoy. I went to a 
I went to what I thought, you know, when you get, I don't often go to church and my parents went a couple of years ago, they, I agreed to go to the Advent service in their local church. And now I thought, I, in my mind, I thought it was a Chris Dingle, you know, where there's kids and there's orange mm. sticks in and there's pets. And I thought, oh, that'd be really nice. No, Advent is really gaudy. It's really full on. And, and as a sort of a humanist type, it was, it was really, I was like, whoa, I didn't quite expect that level of, you know, God yes. <laughs> in a church service. And there was this incredibly impressive man that got up I think he might have been a retired actor of a certain age and um everyone, all the other readings were okay but they were a bit um they, they were a bit middle of the road and people got up and they were fine weirdly Tom Chaplin from Keen's parents one of them did a did a, a reading because they're local to me and you know they were all fine and then this man got up and I don't know if he'd been Laurence Olivier in a past life or something but I remember he did this this reading about it and I remember he going I am not coming I am here, and this kind oh, of... Oh, Lord, yes, this is it. I, I, it increased my entertainment value no end in that service, I must admit. Perhaps perhaps to the de- to detraction from what the service was meant to be about, I don't know. But, yeah, that, that, there's a thin line with poetry, even more so than music, between, you know, genuine human connection and sort of pretension, I think. so. But I, but I think poetry in itself can be a very moving and profound thing. I think it's an interesting point you you make. I wonder if, like playing music that we know and love to give us comfort rather than seeking out new new music, maybe some of us turn to poetry for the same reasons, to bring, I think you were saying, to bring solace and to keep us grounded. I've been... I've been writing poetry since I was a child and I've this I've never shown any of it to anybody else ever. So nobody's ever in... Oh, yeah. 40 odd years nobody's ever 50 years nobody's ever seen any of it so sort of analyze that doctor but um also many of the poems i've written over the years i've never gone back to them and reread them after writing them as i feel they kind of serve their purpose by me writing them and that feels natural to me but i can see that many would see it as peculiar because um going back to your point it seems that for most people that write uh, anything that can be termed as poetry they want to be out there um holding the book in front of them as you say with the with the black polo necks on um you know to the to the meager crowd upstairs but um one thing that if you if you are um interested in poetry and if you're not this is a really good way to get in mm. most classic poems your keats words with coleridge are all of course available for free if you google them individually yeah but if you like physical books you can buy any number of compilations of poetry on amazon just for the cost of postage i mean i'm literally talking the retailers, retailers but Indeed? yeah you can yeah. grab them the, the bbc did a greatest poems ever book I, thing that's one of the ones i looked at it's brilliant I looked at that yesterday and you can actually buy it, uh, albeit secondhand, for a penny on Amazon and just pay the postage. Wow, I, okay. I know that's not supporting your local bookshops, but they're all closed at the moment. Um, you can, I mean, actually, to slightly sort of... Uh, to yeah, you can... Get, move against, you can go on hive.co.uk when you can... Or you can not, which is also a mail order service, and you can nominate to support your local bookshop mm. by donating a, a, an amount of the sale to them. So that might be the time to do that. Also, abebooks.com co.uk is an excellent second-hand sort of place which again is 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 you know linked to local bookshops so Wish i hadn't mentioned amazon that. now yeah Oh, sorry, man. I just, I just, you know, I just want to give, I just want to give people a, a, a range of decisions they can make. 
That's right. But, you know, I, I, I love looking around, especially, um, you know, oldie worldy bookshops. But, you know, we've talked about this before. The reality is if you give people a choice of buying something for a penny on mm. an online uh, store or $9.99 in a bookshop. Yeah, having said that, again, I've bought stuff of a books for uh, for uh, big green books and places like that for, for 99p. It's, it's, it, you can you can make a more ethical decision if you want to. Poetry, of course, however you absorb it then, whether it's on Google or an online store or Amazon or Kindle or whatever it is, poetry can bring you such pleasure reading it or, as we're saying, even writing it because you don't even have to show anybody um, a bit like me. <laughs> and 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 again, uh, that's really interesting that you say that writing, getting your thoughts down can be mm. a comfort and expressing the feelings that you have can be uh particularly at the moment can be a great comfort so that's i think that's lovely that you do that i'm 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 pleased for anybody that can do it in that way and if it brings some comfort once again thank you for joining us in this most strange of strange times yes very much so thank you ever so much and jules your radio shows continue to be a beacon of joy at the weekends (laughs) and hopefully there's more to come this coming weekend there is i'm going to be doing saturday social from 5 to 7 p.m on saturday that is northern soul motown mod etc and i'll be doing the smooth sailing show on sunday evening from 7 to 9 and that is easy listening mor soft rock yacht rock that sort of thing um if you go on to mixler which is mixlr.com and search my name juliet harris um you'll find my channel and you can sign up for notifications and that sort of thing can't recommend it too highly thank you people seem to be enjoying them and they're, and they're great to do and, it's, and there's a chat room and it's and it feels a bit communal and not very communal time quite the banger to play us out then juliet absolutely we talked the other week about online quizzes and their popularity and uh, i did one uh, earlier this week um by the excellent sue tilly who you might know as benefits woman resting benefits woman sleeping from the lucy and freud painting she does she's local to me and she uh, hastings has a sort of an online tv station that different community people have shows on at the moment called hastings isolation station it's done via facebook it's great and she does what is usually her kind of pub quiz she's doing this on tuesday nights at the moment and people form virtual teams and it's great she's really good at writing quizzes and she did this nature themed quiz and there were there was a there was a round where you had to guess the song title and the artist and all of the artists were nature themed and so it takes us to earth wind and fire which uh, yeah good do you see what she did there and uh, and uh, this is excellent i love this song and, uh, and maybe you know maybe we could all do with a bit of an uplifting boogie at this time so this is earth wind and fire and this is let's go
listening to a parish council production <laughs>